0: again, I think it starts with leadership and it starts with modeling the behaviors that you want to see in the rest of your teams so that your you know, your teams don't feel like they need to accept every meeting. Or if they send you a meeting invite and you say, where's the agenda and then decline it, then they'll think really hard about making sure that, that the meeting that they're calling and that they're asking for your time for is valuable, not only to you, but to, to everyone else.
1: We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. What gets you up in the morning? What drives your decisions? What do you stand for? No idea, not even sure where to start? I use my values to guide my life and career. It's the basis of how I've built boundaries for myself and stuck to them. Are you ready to dig into what matters to you? Go to thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet. That's thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet to get to your core values and take action on what matters most. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Today I'm excited to welcome our guest, Jody Ising. Jody is the founder and CEO of the Ising Agency, whose mission is to simplify life for creative teams by offering operations, recruiting, and administrative support. She has a background in television production, media and communications, and has managed live events and built in-house creative teams for Fortune 500 companies. For the last decade, she's helped get the right people in place to build the most efficient and productive workflows. Today, she is proud to have built her own small but mighty virtual support agency dedicated to untangling all the little and big knots that keep tripping you up, slowing you down and keeping your team from running efficiently. In our conversation, we talked about how busy we all are. Is this a badge of honor? Are we all just really bad at managing our time? What is this really about? We talked about how meeting culture or lack thereof can be one of the biggest impacts on our business. How lack of expectations in meetings on what contribution is expected leads us to attend so many meetings, leading to context switching, which burdens our mental load. And we just end up doing a ton of multitasking, which isn't benefiting anyone. We talked about all the things that you can do as a leader to move to an essentialist philosophy, to have intentional meetings that are impactful and move the needle and when to do less and why that's important. Jody gave us so many tangible examples of how you can model these behaviors as a leader and give your team's permission to do the same. This episode is so timely. As we get into the holiday season, I know you'll be inspired to do less and have better meetings. Let's get started. Well, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to share the space for you today and to talk all about the things that we're going to talk about in terms of having better meetings, having less meetings. getting more stuff done, all the good stuff. But before we do that, I'd love to hear just more about your, your life kind of career story, wherever you want to
0: start. Sure. Um, I won't start at the very beginning. Um, but I think it's important for context, um, uh, like my journey on how I got here. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in probably one of the most dangerous cities in the nation. Um, and, worked my way through high school and college and things like that. And I was the first in my family to graduate um, college. So I kind of started to navigate the world kind of with a brand new perspective that I don't think um, anyone else in my family had had. So that led me to kind of exploring, you know, what I could possibly do in college. And so I mm-hmm. went into public relations and advertising and that seemed to be like a really solid niche for me and my personality um, and, and industry. So leaving college um, or after uh, graduation, I moved up to New York City and um, worked in a museum as their event coordinator and office manager. And kind of, I really loved the live event and the moving and grooving and all the energy of, of events, uh, which led me eventually into a career in television and then into a media staffing company where I worked for for a few years. So that journey that led me to the media staffing company um, really, kind of married all of the things that I loved about working in in production. In that, I don't want to call it busyness, but just the the high stakes and the moving and grooving of of all that activity, with the ability to put teams together for in house agencies. And so that's kind of where I got uh, where I got my start and really hit my stride with my career, and eventually led to where I am today. And so I've been working in the people industry um, and. In putting together teams and trying to help make the teams as efficient and productive as possible for you know the course of the past decade or more, and that's kind of led me to to starting um, the icing agency because I've actually been in working with with a, a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities, and a lot of different industries, specifically in the creative field. I kind of saw that there was a lot of emphasis and focus on the production of the work um, and an emphasis on doing all the, quote, duties as assigned. And over time, you kind of see that people start getting overwhelmed with all those additional duties or things that maybe they originally took on because it was at the core of their work. Uh, but then it kind of snowballed into something different where it's kind of distracting them. And I saw the impact of that on on teams and and on the mental health of teams, even before the pandemic. And so I started the icing agency as like a, a resource for, for leaders to be able to, A, help kind of make the the work that folks are working on um, the, the, the most impactful work and take everything else off their plate that still needs to be done, but kind of refocusing their energies and reprioritizing where their time and attention is being spent. So that's a very long answer for how I got here and, uh, you know, what my background is. Yeah. Thank you so much. So as you're working with clients now,
1: what are the the things that they come to you with? Like, and I know as a consultant too, it's like, sometimes they come to you with a thing that they think they need, but really they need the other thing. So do you see that? Like, what are the, what are the, the symptoms of the things that people come to you with? They're trying to gain more efficiencies or be more focused. What kinds of stuff?
0: I think a big part of what, um, of what I do and what my team does is, if there's a sudden influx of work that maybe they weren't expecting, they feel like their head is a, like they're trying to keep their head above water and keep up with the new volume of work while also maintaining the previous set uh the previous cadence of, of the work that's expected from other clients of theirs. Right. It helps to kind of have a second set of eyes to really take a look at why is this workload so overwhelming? Yes, we'll take we'll take all of the, the background work off of your plate so that you can still run you know, your normal cadence of um, of your normal workflow, uh, but how can we improve it? And that's kind of what I call the clear the chaos process. To your point exactly, is they come to you with like, I just need someone to do this thing. And I kind of take a step further and say, how do we get it so that you don't need my help in the future? So we kind of really sit down and, and take a look at the overall picture of, all right, while we're working on the tactical things that I I can't give an example because there's just so many different things that, that we can take off of people's plates, you know, but during this time, while we're working on this, how can we improve future, you know, your future workflows or like strategically looking at the bigger picture.
1: So sometimes it's the overwhelm and it's like, I just need help with this initial task when really it's okay, let's just get it back down to the foundation of how are we doing this? Is it a repeated task? Can we find efficiencies? So then, um, you're good in the future and you don't need to call me again in a panic kind of deal. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the first questions that I ask is, okay, what are you doing now that you can be doing less of? So let's just, Ooh. let's, let's take the, the low hanging fruit and just eliminate some of that stuff. Um, so that, you know, there are some exercises and I, I talk about them on my blog and if anybody knows me, they know that like, I'm a huge fan of the the essentialist philosophy. I'm a huge fan of using the Eisenhower matrix. And while it's uh, it's essentially supposed to be for, or it's meant for individual productivity, it can be applied to an entire team.
1: Yeah. Um, So let's talk just, just as a grounding for everybody. First, I love that question. What can you be doing less of? Oh my God. So good. a good question. And then talk to me a little bit about what do you mean by the essentialist philosophy? And then can you describe the Eisenhower matrix and how individuals and teams use it?
0: Sure. Let's start with the Eisenhower matrix, okay. and that is um, you sit down literally with a piece of paper, or it could be a, a digital version of a piece of paper, and you list out the things that you have to do. They're urgent and and super important, and only you can do it, and that goes in into a box. There's a box where it's, it's urgent, but it's not really that important, so you kind of make that dis- the determination of, can I delegate this to somebody? Or can I just, can I schedule this for a different time period? Or can I just eliminate it altogether? So you can kind of like, those are the four quadrants, right? You have to do it. It's urgent. It's important. Only you can do it. Uh, This can be scheduled for a later date. And then the lower two quadrants, and I have a visual representation of it on on my, uh, my website on my blog. So if you're interested, you can check it out there. And then the lower two quadrants are, you can delegate it to someone else, whether it be someone else on your team. Or it can be delegated to an external partner from a team perspective, um, or we can just completely eliminate it. Which... Do it,
1: do less of it, or do none of. Don't do it. I anymore. love it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so the essentialist philosophy. Once I kind of started adopting it, and it's so backtrack a little bit um essentialism is something that's kind of always been a thing um and people really subscribe to that philosophy but recently cal newport who's an, an author he wrote a book about it recently and has kind of brought it more to the forefront in the mainstream and our you know teams are kind of like adapting to that mentality and that philosophy um same with digital minimalism that was another book that he wrote that was that i highly recommend and really with essentialism You have to be ruthless with what you're spending your time and your energy on. So if you have 10 things that are at the top, you know, that are priorities for you, whether it be strategic or a task or something like that, take a look at those 10 things and look at the top two and eliminate the rest. Because if you're spending your time and stretching yourself thin across all 10 of those priorities, you're not making any movement on any of them. So if you're saying that these top two are the most important things to you, then go all in, focus yeah. on them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are my interpretations of, uh, of a, you know, the essentialist mindset and kind of how I employ the, the Eisenhower matrix for myself, my clients and my teams.
1: I love that. And I think that, uh, so when I go into working with clients or at an individual level or like a senior leadership team at the organizational level often it's based on kind of some of the culture and they're trying to get like this idea of um a culture of innovation we're moving to that but shockingly they never have enough time to spend on it right and yeah. so i'm doing the work for them to do some change management to get into this new culture that we want but really <laughs> it's hey we haven't prioritized it and so they have not been ruthless <laughs> with anything and often they they have the aspiration there's high aspiration to prioritize and to focus but there is very low action Mm -hmm. on prioritization and focus there's almost no deprioritization there's almost it's almost like yes and this this culture of yes and which Mm -hmm. i i know is supposed to come from a good place but like yes and like no and no (laughs) yeah yeah I can't. I can't if I hear a yes and. I'm like, there's no, like, where are we? We can't yes everything. And so how can we really have the yeses that matter aligned to the things that we want? And so first of all, why do you think it's so hard for organizations, for leaders to deprioritize? And even more so, why aren't we doing it?
0: I think to your point about innovation, I think Sometimes it's um, it's counterintuitive, right, where people tend to hold on to this is the way that we do things. These are our traditions. These are our rituals. These are, you know, we have a weekly meeting on Tuesday at, you know, 4 p.m. What gets accomplished in these meetings? Uh, we'll talk, we can talk about that later. But the fact that we've got these like standards of operation that aren't really like, how often are you auditing? your rituals? How often are you auditing whether or not those things still serve you? And so when you get caught up in this is the normal way of of us doing things and then adding a layer of, but we want to innovate, that kind of, it's counterintuitive, or I don't know if that's the right word, but it's it's um, counterproductive, I guess is, is, is the word, right? Where, you know, again, if you have a standing meeting on a Thursday and people just show up and they're talking about things because you've called the meeting and you told them that you want to hear something from them and they don't know why they're there or what they're sharing or what they're talking about in that meeting, then it's a waste of time that you could have used to do some of the deep work for the strategic stuff. So I think that that's that's a part of it. And and that kind of trickles down, right? Where you're doing a lot of context switching and things like that, that your teams are, you say that you want to do something and you give them direction, but if you don't give them the breathing room to be able to nurture that, then you kind of stagnate and then you look down the road, you know, you're looking at your roadmap three months from now and things are not much different than they were three months ago. So I think taking a hard look and doing an audit of not only and I'm talking specifically about meetings because I think that meetings are the biggest uh, leech of our time are meetings and curtailing like unnecessary meetings, I think is at the very core. Right. So, yeah, I, I I don't know if that like eloquently answers the question, but I think having an audit first and foremost kind of opens, I I find opens people's eyes to being like, my goodness, we could have had all this extra time to be able to focus on things that we just haven't had time for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It feels like there's like some statistics out there that like even more, you know, cultures that have like psychologically safe teams and like are sharing their best ideas feels like they have less meetings because they trust each other and they can get to decisions faster. I do not know where I read that, but I feel like that is a thing. I'll try and find it and put it in the show notes. But this idea of just less meetings is always so like, who wouldn't want to sign up for that? Like every, mm-hmm. like everybody wants that less meetings and just the ones that we have. Can they just be better mm-hmm. in general? Can they have a purpose? You know, if it's to build culture, then let's build culture. If it's to make a decision, then let's actually make the decision in the, in the meeting, like all yep. of those kinds of things. But I love just this idea of Just the audit of all the time and all the things are in these meetings that may or may not be necessary anymore. So first and foremost, doing that. My award-winning book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now available in audiobook. Since the book released just last year, the biggest question that I've gotten from readers is, is it available in audiobook? In this book, you'll get to hear my most pivotal career stories and some of the successes of my clients as you learn about the Values First framework and how you can take action on your life and career. The audiobook is narrated by me, so if you love this podcast, you'll love the audiobook, Values First. How knowing your core beliefs can get you the life and career you want is now available on Audible and iTunes. What are the kinds of questions that you might be asking yourselves if it's essential or not? Like, how do I know if I'm even a good auditor of my, if I need to be there? Because I would bet
0: that we're kind of probably not good at that either. Well, I think it starts with auditing your own calendar right as a leader taking a look at the the meetings that you've accepted and that you're participating in and what your expectations are of these meetings right and what your what your contribution level is to that meeting right so starting with yourself first taking a look at the calendar and saying okay I have this this recurring I don't know weekly staff meeting do I need to be there yes because decisions need to be made all right that's a meeting that we can keep how can I communicate what my expectations are for from that meeting with my team that's going to be giving me information, giving me the information that I'm looking for? So one, setting an agenda. If there is no agenda, I'm not accepting. And people um, joke all the time about that because, you know, like it, it kind of becomes uh, a, I guess, a, a, a habit, right? Where if, you know, someone sends me a calendar invite. I ask what am I what am I supposed to be contributing? What are your expectations for my contribution in this meeting? All right, great. Put it on the agenda or kind of frame the agenda so that it's very clear to me and everyone else that's involved in the meeting what's expected so that they then when they can get when they get new calendar invites, they can see and audit for themselves is this something that I need to be here for? and take away the shame. That's another thing is take away the shame of not accepting a meeting. Like if you absolutely need me there for something, fine, I will be there and I will contribute in the way that I'm supposed to. But also if you see the agenda and you're like, I don't know if I have anything to contribute, that's of value to this conversation. So I'm just not going to go. And I find that like, oftentimes people have, they find themselves in these meetings and they're like in there for 10 minutes, like, I should. I, I don't know if this is this was a meeting that I was supposed to be in, and then they're just multitasking anyway. Yeah. they go and off then, camera. So trying-
1: yeah, they go off camera and they start multitasking. Exactly, to get something else. And then, and, but yeah.
0: and that's also a disservice to to yourself, right? Because you're multitasking and you're paranoid that maybe somebody's going to call the call on you. Yeah, and you're like, okay, I'm focusing on the work that I I need to be prioritizing. But I'm still listening and paying attention, so you're not really giving your full attention to what you're supposed to be. Pri- you're supposed to be prioritizing. So that's kind of like I went on a, a bit of a, a tangent there because I can talk about meetings all day and how to make them effective. So as far as being a good auditor, I, again, I think it starts with leadership and it starts with modeling the behaviors that you want to see in the rest of your teams, so that your you know your teams don't feel like. They need to accept every meeting, or if they send you a meeting invite and you say, "Where's the agenda?" and then decline it, then they'll think really hard about making sure that that the meeting that they're calling and that they're asking for your time for is valuable, not only to you but to, to everyone else. So there's, you know, there there are a few things that you can do, um, and then there's also, you know, when you're in a meeting, taking time to really kind of evaluate. Can this meeting be repurposed for for something else? So instead of canceling the meeting altogether, what can we do, or how can we rep- repurpose this meeting to accomplish another, like another another goal? Or yeah, so there are a few things like that that I kind of like I think about in my own teams. I lead mm-hmm. a team of, of of thirteen people, so. Meeting that everybody already knows kind of my my sentiment around like meetings and it's just because we do it so often and it's ingrained in our culture and our yeah our meeting culture and we audited just this past week I had um a parable session um I don't know if you're familiar with parable but no tell me more yeah it's like a, a, a it's a retro software um so if you're in in the tech world you're familiar with retros you kind of sit with the team um to figure out what what's gone wrong, what's gone right, what can we improve for the future and all that stuff. Kind of after action review kind of. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a software that helps to kind of streamline that process. So we do it every single quarter and we sit down and we have, all of my team will submit anonymous feedback. So they'll say, you know, again, one of the questions will be, what are we doing? Well, what can be improved? What do you want to see more of? What do you want to see less of, which is always an important question to ask. And like, what other thoughts do you have? So every quarter we have a meeting where we sit down, we review, we vote on what things are really, because you don't really know what issues are with your team until you've asked them what the issues are and what the blockers are. And you also giving them the dual, you can submit things anonymously, but I want to talk to you about it. Yeah. It kind of reduces the keyboard warrior mentality, where you're free and and it's anonymous for you to be able to complain about things. But also, I need your voice in the room mm-hmm. to be able to advocate for for what that issue is and how we can fix it. So one most recently, and the reason I brought this up is because most recently we had a conversation about uh, one of the meetings that we had that's supposed to be like a brainstorming session like we dedicate an hour just for brainstorming um and if one team needs something from another how do we work together to you know kind of kind of marry a bunch of ideas we try to have open and free flowing feedback for creative stuff and events and things like that and so one of my teammates said you know i think maybe we can use that time to just have it be a culture building ac- you know meeting and less about brainstorming and more about culture. So we're trying it. Great. So we're not adding another meeting to our calendar, yeah. but we're repurposing one that was already existing.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that example. Oh my goodness. There's so many things that you just said in there <laughs> about that I want to touch base on. So you said meeting culture. And so, so I do a lot of work with leaders on their individual values and then their team values. And your meeting culture can absolutely be tied and should be to your culture culture, like your organizational culture. And if you don't have a meeting culture, you probably know it's those times where you just somebody puts a meeting on your calendar with with no agenda usually and you accept it. And you're back to back to back and then you just jump from one meeting to the next and sometimes you know what it is and sometimes you're not sure what your contribution will be right and you're just kind of switching from one topic to the next and then at the end of the day you might get some of your other work done or at night right and so if you don't have a meet if you don't have a meeting culture well that is your meeting culture it's like unorganized not very intentional and so if you are doing stuff like Johnny's doing, you have an intentional meeting culture where expectations and behaviors are completely aligned to the rest of your culture. So for um I want to I'd love to share an example with this one client that I have. They one of their organizational values is purposeful collaboration. And when they describe purpose, purposeful collaboration, one of the things that as they're growing they called it the quote unquote right people in the meeting like the decision makers right and so as they thought about that and they're still on their journey of building it out they're still um you know getting to the point where they always have agendas and those kinds of things they're not fully there yet but we were taking a look at some of those behaviors and like okay well what does the right people in the meeting even mean like is that inclusive is that like basically it's like kind of level of contribution And it's decision makers. And so we kind of talked about what that looks like. And how do you kind of, how do you know if you're, if you are inviting the right people, um, they talked about like, do they need to be consulted on something? Are they going to help you make that decision? Not just that they need to be informed. Right. And so those are some of the questions that they're asking themselves to set up and to get to their meeting culture, to align it to, their organizational culture and it's that kind of thoughtful work that will eventually lead them to have less meetings and to get those right people in those right rooms. And if we're not thinking about, you know, that as leaders, I think we're we're completely missing how much impact culture can have at every single level on a one-on-one to a group meeting to an all-hands meeting, all those kinds of things. So it's it's all it's all connected. But I loved how you said meeting culture and meeting culture is absolutely tied to organization and team culture too. So I love that. Any, any thoughts on that and like how to create some of those expectations or, or thought starters on
0: building some of these,
1: building your meeting culture as a leader?
0: I look at it from two different lenses, from the leadership perspective and also from a, an individual contributor perspective you know asking all those questions that you're talking about um are absolutely important like those are those are the things that um that's the important work that needs to be done right to kind of really figure out what that looks like and i think setting the example is important for the inter- individual contributor to instill trust mm-hmm. while also keeping like keeping the transparency right because there are some meetings where, you know, you kind of just want to know what's going on and you're just kind of, you know, you, you're you just wanting to uh, retain information and or, you know, kind of just learning about what's going on so that you have a better understanding of of the overall vision and, and work that's being done, right? Um, so there are times where you just, you do have to just come and sit in. Yeah. But in being more intentional and in asking those questions and making sure that we're being respectful of other people's time. Uh, from a leadership perspective and trusting your team to be able to do the same is I think so important right so you are empowering your team to say you don't have to be in every single meeting use your discretion if you want to join I think it kind of goes hand in hand right where we have to trust our people to be productive without looking at their calendar and seeing that there are meetings all day and then being like oh I'm not going to bother Laura because she's super busy today because she's in meetings all day. Is she like, does she need to be in those meetings? But, you know, it's, I find that sometimes it's hard for people to walk away and say no to meetings because if they're meeting, if their calendar is wide open, it doesn't look like they're busy enough.
1: Isn't that so interesting? Like the currency of if we're good is how busy we are. It's almost like a badge of honor. I'm triple booked today. Like how many of us can say like that we like you see all the color coding and all the things and so yep. it's fascinating and why do you why do you think that is a badge of honor cuz it you can see it
0: it's like visible is that it i think it's the 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 virtual calendar is a digital representation of what one of my friends actually um years ago he said Anytime someone walks into the room, if I go like this, if I put my head down, or if I look like I'm busy, or if I look like I'm stressed, they, they won't bother me because they know that I'm busy. So that is the, (laughs) that is the digital representation of, of what I've just described. Right. Um, And so I think, is it a badge of honor? I mean, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Sometimes
1: it feels like it is, but sometimes it's also like, I'm so busy. I can't do another thing. So it kind of helps save us from other work maybe. But it like you said, if you have free time, then people are questioning, why do you have free time? Like, isn't that interesting? And then I also just tell people block it and it's your thinking time or it's your, cause you're not, not doing something right. It's project time or whatever. And so one of the things that I do and i talk to my clients about it's like when are you thinking when are you doing that strategic work when are you and like actually block it and then like keep that promise and don't schedule over it which often we do right we give that time away but even that it's it feels weird sometimes to set that meeting that meeting for ourselves if we're not in another meeting with somebody else
0: <laughs> and that happens so often and that's why I always encourage people, um, you know, back to the, the lead by example, where we have meeting free Friday rule, no meetings on Friday. If we, if there's something, obviously there are going to be urgent things that come up and there are things that maybe, you know, the schedules just don't align and it's really important that we meet this week, then by all means, as long as you can make a case for a Friday meeting, we'll have a Friday meeting, but, you know, communicating that and being being firm with that is just another example of, 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 you know, instilling that the culture that you want to build for yourself and adhering to that no meeting Friday rule or Monday or no meeting nine to, you know, to noon on Tuesday's rule will definitely kind of help shift that, that, you know, that culture. And so, you know, coming up for the holidays, we have, two weeks of no meeting time so from december 18th through the the beginning of the year there are no meetings on the calendar and that is you know so that people can actually enjoy their time off and not feel like they're missing something mm-hmm. and two to give people permission if our c suite can commit to not having a meeting and they're the most important people and i'm using air quotes there like 'Cause everybody obviously has has a has a role to play and they're just as important as the C suite. But you know, people have the mentality of like, oh, I'm too busy. I have to take a meeting during this time. So if our C suite is 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 not busy or can dedicate themselves to or commit themselves to not having that meeting t- uh having no meeting time, then so can you.
1: Yeah. And it every time leaders meet. They're creating so much work they don't even realize, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the meetings will then have outcomes that their teams will need to go do, yep. and that will create a cascade of more me- <laughs> more <laughs> meetings and more meetings. I love this idea of um, modeling and then giving that gives others permission to do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is is just so important that we're modeling the behaviors that we want others to have. It's not. Because often we say, I want my team to have that vacation, that uninterrupted time. And sometimes we do that because we then step in in meetings or we Mm -hmm. take that burden on ourselves when really how much work is really going to get done in those couple of weeks anyway. Mm -hmm. And like give people the permission and the breath to just, you know, be with their families and actually be on vacation and don't feel like, they do have to check in. I think that's another really important point. Even if everybody else is on vacation and you're still having meetings, they're still gonna they're still gonna check in because they don't want their inbox to be bananas over the holidays, and then mm-hmm. like it, for it to be not worth it when they come back at the beginning of the year. So even for the people that are are working, like for essential jobs that need to be on the clock or whatever just minimize the meetings so we don't feel like we have to like we are missing something because i think that is a real thing. So the this idea of clearing calendars beyond just vacation is what you mean, right? It's like mm-hmm. like we're we're still working and doing all the things, maybe prioritizing for next year or whatever, but we're not having actual business related meetings in the in exactly. that two week block of time. Okay? Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's you know it's the same idea with our meeting-free Fridays or you know org-wide you know once even if it's just once a month where we all commit to not having meetings, it helps with just just overall not having the the context switching constantly, which is exhausting. Um, and we don't really think about the. I mean, that's a whole another conversation about the mental health and the mental wellness of your teams when they're constantly context switching. And also, you know, kind of being able to really focus your time and energy on things that are strategic without interruption. Um, and, you know, there are just a multitude of, of benefits of having at least one meeting free day a month, at least. Um, some people can't, you know, can't commit to that because they're, you know, they're either meeting with customers or, you know, clients and things like that. So their, you know, availability is is gonna, um, gonna vary based on their, you know, their clients' availability. But having something that you hold sacred as far as like time, you know, um, is is so important.
1: It's such an it's such a valuable resource. It is such a valuable resource for individuals and teams and organizations. Um, so I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that action as a suggestion as we get into the holidays. Um, the last thing that I will ask you, I want to know what other things can leaders do like right now, whether or not their company, maybe they're in a company that has really great meeting culture. Maybe they don't, but either way, like what is, what are some quick things that folks can do right now?
0: So I have, um, there's actually a, a freebie on my website of things like, a, I've got like a, a ton of different pointers and and things like that, that folks can kind of tap into that they can do today. One of the the biggest things and where I usually start, again, it kind of it goes back to the, the start of our conversation, is think about what you can do less of and really, you know, have a conversation with your team doing something like the retro, that the audit that, I, that we talked about before. Um, that's something that you can do today in, in an existing meeting. Maybe if it's not a priority, if there's not something that's like, Super urgent priority uh, meeting that needs to happen today. we can repurpose an existing one um and really just send send your team an anonymous, um let's say a Google form. It's just it's as easy as that, right? Where they can submit their their thoughts, their ideas anonymously. And you'll be surprised that things that you think are are an issue in your team and that impacts your culture and their productivity might just be a symptom of something larger. That you could easily fix in a day. So I would start with, you know, the the people that are doing the work and are feeling the day to day strain and and the burden of um, whatever it is that you know are issues that you've identified, you know, for yourself. To really get to the core of, oh, is it just that you know you you don't you don't feel heard because we don't have enough feedback sessions. All right, that's something that we could do. We can add some, you know, something on the calendar, which again, it's not great to add something else on the calendar, but sometimes it's necessary. Or repurpose you need to have those conversations. Yeah,
1: or repurpose exactly. to your other point. Yeah, for sure. I love I love the starting with what can we do less of. I love that question so so much. And um and we'll put a link in the show notes to that um to some of those tips that you mentioned and the, and the downloads for teams to, to take a look at. I just want to thank you so much for being here today. I think we could talk for another couple of episodes, so I'd love to have you back and we can focus our time, um, on a couple other things, but thank you just so much for sharing your thought leadership. I think it's just such a relatable topic and All of us, if we think we are doing this well, we can still probably be doing something else better. And what a great time of year to think about some of these things, doing a retro um, after action review at the end of the year is a great way to close out the year to set you up for success for next year too. And I love that idea of blocking for no meetings as well. Just lots of things that you can do as a leader to impact your team. I just, I just love it so much. So thank you so much for being here today. I want to thank you so much for listening to the, you belong in the C-suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple podcasts by leaving a review. You're helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.